that you're just somebody that I used to know. Somebody. All right, first edit point of the episode. <laughs> Connecting the classics. We're about to discuss what threats were made before. Dolly Parton. Towns Van Zandt. Sorry, I stepped on you. You know more than I know. Hey, you know more than I know. And why don't you tell the people what this podcast is all about while we transition from John Kale, you more know more than I know, to JJ Kale, ride me high. This is a music podcast where Will and I both pick albums for the week and we figure out ways to connect from our own album to the other person's album using three songs each of musical separation. Resulting in six songs of separation, Kevin Bacon style. Kevin Bacon style. Kevin Bacon style. Email us if you want to suggest a theme, connectingtheclassics at gmail.com. And we haven't gotten any submissions in a while. We actually did get some submissions offline, so we'll announce those on the podcast later. But no theme this week. I hit you first with Dolly Parton, Coat of Many Colors. And I responded with Towns Van Zandt. Towns Van Zandt. And uh, it ended up being kind of a country episode, so there is sort of a theme unintentionally, or I guess intentionally for me. Uh, great excuse, I think, to talk about country music. Exactly. I picked Dolly Parton because I wanted to talk about country music. I was like, we haven't really done a country artist in a while. I think in a previous rendition of the podcast, we did Casey Musgraves. And then I was thinking, you know, is Casey Musgraves the modern day Dolly Parton? And then I'm like, am I only thinking that because they're both women in country that I like? And that might be just be a misogynist. I don't think any of that. I think they're both great artists that I like. So I'll probably edit that out. Another edit point for the for that. But anyway, should we launch into Dolly Parton? Well, I just got to say off the top, I think this is maybe your best CTC pick you've ever had. Uh, had not listened to the album prior to your choice. Loved it. Great funky bass. Great blend of country and bluegrass and funk. Well, the other thing is I think like Casey Musgraves and Dolly Parton are similar in that they appeal to like a really wide base even outside of country, even though they have kind of a country base. And obviously like it's like can't really even compare the two, so I don't know why I am, but I'm just thinking of the kind of crossover country artists that appeal to me. And I feel like Dolly Parton also kind of, I saw some tweet or something about it where it's like, She's the only musical artist who appears appeals to like the hardcore right wing and the left wing at the same time, and like just everyone loves her. And uh, yeah, let's launch into it. This was her eighth album, which I didn't realize from 1971. She wrote all the songs except three. Launching in, Dolly Parton, here I am. Funky bass. 
Sorry, I was fixing my mic stand, but here I am. <laughs> it's hard to pick a starting point for Dolly Parton. Well, I feel like what is Jolene is the biggest hit. But even just like, how do you sort of summarize her? She's had such a long career. She's such an American icon, like you have mentioned. And she's still still living, so I feel like it's kind of like Bonnie Raitt, like one of those people where you got to uh, do a living obituary for her. And I think the other thing, she gets credit for uh, tons of charity work. She seems like an all-around like all great person. She also has just such a like great voice. I don't know. There's just something really soulful about it, which we'll be weaving that web later with some other artists. And I feel like we've talked about with like James Brown and stuff, where it's like something about music from a certain time period really captured like that live soul feeling. And like just the fact she wrote all these songs, except for three of them. It's almost got like a little gospel feel on this. Definitely Aretha Franklin. I was reading up a little on her origin story too and she's from like the Smoky Mountain area. Obviously that's where Dollywood is now. And shout out to my grandparents. I can only vaguely remember when they lived there, but they lived in like the Smoky Mountains middle of nowhere for a while. I feel like Smoky Mountains oh, in awesome. general are like a really underrated part of the country. And it's like, you know, you got Johnny Knoxville from Knoxville and Dolly Parton and they're both kind of like rebel but popular great entertainment personalities if anyone wants to go deeper into the dolly world there's a great podcast by the um the guy who did i think radio lab called dolly parton's america and yeah he goes over her origin story and we'll talk a little bit about talk a little bit about it later yeah, because like kind of how I was saying that song sounded like gospel. I think it's like a lot of people in country and blues and really any genre or whatever, you know, there's no such thing as genre. We've been webs across generations, as we always talk about on the podcast. But a lot of people got started singing in church and she like yeah. got her start doing that when she was like six years old, was playing guitar by eight. And so I feel like, you know, we were talking about spoken word on the last episode. And that's kind of why I wanted to get into country because I feel like country and like American, I guess whatever you want to call it, Americana kind of has the spoken word influence of just, you know, playing a little folk tune, but I'm passing it back. Towns Van Zandt, very similar. More spoken word than Dolly, who's more of a singer. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember which song, one of her songs I think had a, a point about like love each other. Do you remember that one? On the on the album, uh, yes, but no. I think it might be like, a better place to live. Yeah, but we'll be weaving that web later. And also the, the yeah. al- album I didn't realize is like based on obviously it's coat of many colors, so it's based on like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Before that even existed, oh, okay, or just like that story. It's her mom, I guess, couldn't afford to buy her a coat, so she. Yeah. Sewed one out of like a bunch of different colored rags. 
so it kind of you know goes into that but and i think there's a movie about her life called code many colors that goes more into her backstory too but it looks pretty bad it's like made for tv <laughs> so we'll save you uh, a watch listeners yeah a better place to live she just says like everyone's got to love one another but you know 1971 that could be perceived as the hippie like peace love type train so i feel like she was able to do her own thing while also preaching some pretty cool messages and uh all right you had mentioned casey musgraves well she actually is from texas just like towns van zant going across the other side of the country here um i thought it was a cool contrast because to me towns van zant is kind of like cowboy country relative to maybe the nashville sound or even the appalachian like bluegrass stuff that dolly sort of you know comes from and i feel like lumped uh, in so too more with a rock kind of in a weird way i don't know if you feel that too but i feel like he's almost like a classic rock guy yeah definitely um he lived hard as they say like uh you know a lot of his writing style was about sort of these reckless characters and you know how tough life can be which is very much to me that like out on the range type country music cowboy country um but maybe that's a good launching point we can talk a little bit more about the album uh so the song i wanted to make sure we listen to which i think is the most powerful piece on the album and is coincidentally the first song he wrote this is towns van zandt waiting around to die nice i picked the same one i thought you might i knew we were gonna have the exact same connections best song by far sometimes i don't know where it's the, the standout is taking me sometimes i don't even know the reason why but i guess i keep a gambling lots of booze and lots of rambling well it's easier than just to waiting around to die you going into trampled by turtles after this <laughs> no. Trampled by Turtles references this song. I didn't realize till I heard this. Oh, nice. I'll give you 100 points for that. On Codeine. It's not one of my connections, but maybe we can play it at the end. Yeah, there's the line about Codeine sitting around to die with Codeine. It's like, Codeine, Codeine, you're the nicest thing I've seen. Speaking of slow it slowed in reverb, someone's gotta do that. Oh, Tuscaloosa bar. So good. He's very much in that like Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan style where it's like how the words sound is almost just as important as like what the story is then a friend said he knew where some it's a spoken word was. yep exactly we man and brother did we fly but the posse caught up with me and drug me back to muskogee and it's too long years of waiting around to die I love the drums in the background there too. Kind of like offbeat, just like boom. So good. Yeah. Almost like tribal. 
The other thing I was going to add is uh, listeners, check out the album cover. It's this great photo of him sitting in this uh, cabin that I think he owns or his family owns. And if you watch, uh, I think it's called Heartworn Highways. It's like a documentary about his life. He performs this song in the little cabin and this like ranch hand that he has like literally starts crying in the middle of the song because I like how intense the lyrics are. Wow. Just waiting around to die. Yeah. No, they're, those are great lyrics. I feel like that phrase is very powerful. And also I discovered Seriously. while we were listening to this, this isn't a video podcast, but we talked about the tectonique dancing to French house on the last episode. <laughs> and you can do that to uh, yeah. Hans Van Zant too, if you really want. So I'm inventing a new, a new wow. dance called Ranch Hands. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> It's not where you use your hands to, to eat the rest of the ranch in your it's just, in your, yeah, uh, you dance like you have ranch on your hands. <laughs> it's a little bit of a thizzle face or this face. That's great. All right. I'll pass it back. I think we got it started with some country and western. Yeah, and I will say too, I I don't know that song that I played of Dolly Parton, it just kind of stood out to me when I was listening through the album. It's kind of the but I will say the whole album, like you mentioned, is worth listening to because there's a lot of great songs on it. But a little more about her backstory. You know, she's speaking of back to back backstory. She was the fourth of 12 children, just like Jacob and his family, or just like Joseph, you know, because in the (laughs) ancient texts, Technicolor, (laughs) Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Launching into my favorite song written by Andrew Lloyd Webber from Joseph. Oh, this is a Bader Meinhof because I thought it was Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, but it's actually Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah, same thing. Launching into Jacob Benson's. from the Donny Osmond film version. Talking about gospel. Connect Jacob back to Dolly. Sounding, yeah, uh, it sounds like here I am. <laughs> I was gonna say that Dolly was the kind of Christian of like, you know, love each other and you know do charity work. Some might say the like good kind of Christian. Yeah, because Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I vaguely remember it from when I was a kid, and I actually saw it, and I remember liking this song the best. And I think like some school put it on, but. It's not like a Christian. Thing. It's kind of like mocking it a little bit, right? Or it's kind of like subversive. I've never seen way. it. It's not like full out Book of Mormon, but I don't no, think I it's guess, like you super know, Christian. I think Joseph is actually in the Old Testament, so that would be yeah. also Jewish scripture. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like they, just an ancient story that they tell in this like crazy way. So 
So I'm going from Jacob and Sons to Bob Dylan's son, Jacob in the Wallflowers. <laughs> nah, I won't do that to the listener. So then this leads right into Joseph's Coat, which we're not going to listen to, but if we want to get a little Donny Osmond. Something I've never understood is why Broadway people sing that way. Like, why do they have that weird intonation? I was actually thinking that. So I was thinking maybe we will we'll listen to a little bit of this, but I was thinking about spoken word and how like Broadway is essentially just the same as spoken word but they have to just do this like over the top voice and acting i don't really know why they do it either i think it's probably just because it was one of the original forms and like back then everything was just cheesier i don't know that's my only guess okay but i feel like andrew lloyd weber is someone who's had a long musical career like this mostly just doing plays and it's definitely a unique musical art form Broadway yeah, he's stuff. he's written everything, and he's actually English. So it's, he did um, like London West End, like this was started in London. But anyways, I'll pass it back. Looks like he's been given the title, the Right Honorable the Lord Lloyd Webber. Well, sorry, so it's I mean, not just Sir. He's gotten all those other extra. I'm gonna have to edit that back in every time I mention his name. The right honorable <laughs> Sir Lord. I mean, Boys he deserves Weber. it, though. For Jacob and Sons alone, he deserves that. Oh, I guess he was a member of the House of Lords. That's probably why he's got Lord Lloyd Webber. I'll give him... Fascinating. Give him, I'll give him 10 points for that. Well, we'll be hopping across the pond here in a little bit, but... Uh, you passing it? Passing it back. I felt like since this is the country episode, I had to honor sort of the godfather of, or I guess not godfather, but let's say a large influence on both Towns Van Zandt and Dolly Parton. And I don't think we've talked about this artist before. Maybe we have briefly, but this is Hank Williams, Dear John. Nice. Godfather, just like Jacob and Sons. <laughs> well, when I woke up this morning, there was a note up on my door. Real quick, I was thinking immediately how that intonation is totally what Towns Van Zandt does with the sort of warble. Mm. I feel like Hank popularized that, but do you know. hear that a little bit in Dolly's voice too? Because no, I almost I, felt I don't think she does it as much. I think she does it a little because I was feeling some little yachty in her vocals, uh, like a little slight uh, wobble, a little a little warble. Coffee, babe, cause I won't be back no more, and that's all she wrote. I've sent your saddle home. Now Jonah got along in the belly of the whale. Daniel and Jonah in the belly of the whale. (laughs) We don't plan this, Jacob and Sons. We don't plan this. But I know a guy that didn't try to get along, and he won't get a chance again, and that's all she wrote. Waiting around to die, that's all she wrote.
It's a steel guitar. Yes, love that. So, Towns Van Zant was talking about a Tuscaloosa bar. Hank Williams is actually from Alabama. Ooh. She didn't say goodbye. All she said was, if you get blue, just hang your little head and cry. And that's all she wrote. I've sent your saddle home. Now my gal short and stubby. She's strong and then as Hank Williams Jr. was basically but even more kind of like rebel kind of guy. I feel like both yeah. of them are pretty are lumped in more like right wingy in recent years, but I might be wrong. Well, for some reason in my mind, he's kind of like the face of the you know country music in the '40s. I didn't realize he died young though. He died at 29 years old. Oh, I didn't realize that either. So I don't really think he got a full arc of his career. He died in 1953. He's one of those people where I just, it's like Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah. Where they're like redneck heroes who I kind of lump together because I'm uh-huh. like, I don't like the, the son, Jacob and Sons. Like it was just like a continuation of them or something in a weird way. Because they did like the exact same thing as their dad. Yeah, that's a great point. Kind of exactly like Sean Lennon, you know? He's no different. <laughs> or Jacob Dylan. <laughs> well, I feel like Hank Williams Jr. is pretty damn good, too. Yeah. Which one did like Oki from Muskogee? Oh, that's probably Jr. Is that Hank Williams, though? Or no, am I Oki thinking from Muskogee is uh, Merle Haggard. Uh, I get them all mixed up. I was talking but, about Merle Haggard the whole time, I'm pretty sure. Oh, and does he have a junior? I don't think so. Oh, But oh. I just confused them all. But No, you are right. Junior definitely had a music career, and I think he's definitely more redneck. I think Hank Williams is kind of more just considered like early face of country. It's just old school classic. Yeah, he's like all buttoned up in like nice cowboy suit and hat. He's not very redneck. And I feel like, too, we haven't really talked. We talked a lot about Memphis, oddly enough, but we haven't talked a lot about Nashville. And it is yeah. just kind of interesting to think that Tennessee still is. But at a certain point, I feel like it was, I guess it still is now, but it's just like a huge music business hub, industry hub that isn't really thought about much in L.A. and New York. Yeah, it's actually crazy. I was doing some research. I was trying to figure out, like, why Nashville? The best thing I could find was... Uh, it was like a transportation hub, like they had a really good rail railroad network, and then it also was like a booming city coming out of post uh, Civil War. It wasn't, you know, because like think of how much the South was decimated uh, economically during uh, Civil War. So it's kind of this like bustling Southern city, uh, and so I think that's part of how it becomes, like you're saying, a hub for the South for the music industry because you've got L.A., you've got New York. And then you've got randomly Nashville, but I think, and I think Nashville and, right. and Tennessee and the Spooky Mountains are all just cooler than people give them credit for. Yeah. And I was thinking also, I bet, I bet Memphis also helped Memphis being kind of a musical hub as well. Uh, you just kind of attract people to that area. Yep. But um, yeah. And also Grand Ole Opry was another thing I was reading about. So, you know, Nashville and that era of music like Hank Williams radio was a, a huge part of of the music industry and that you know we've talked about in maybe the recorded history of music the concept that you would you know play records on the radio or you perform on the radio was like became very popular in nashville so that's part of why i think they started 
the music industry. I like that. And yeah, look out for the Recorded History of Music podcast coming soon. But uh, yeah, let's jump back to Jacob and Sons. All right. We were at Jacob and Sons. Andrew Lloyd Webber, the Lord, the Savior, the God, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Song about Jacob, who had 12 sons, just like Dolly Parton's family. NBA, we are an Ever- evergreen podcast, but I saw a, meme, or a <laughs> graphic today that said NBA young boy just gave birth to his 11th child. So he's almost got as many sons as Jacob. Uh, Jacob had 12 sons, but one daughter, and her name was Dinah. Okay. But we'll be weaving that web later. We're going back to Andrew Lloyd Webber, the God. Uh, some say this next song sounds like Any Dream Will Do from Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. But I don't think it does. I think it's just a coincidence. Grateful Dead, Ripple. Yes. Talking about hippies, peace and love, kind of a spiritual anthem. Love it. On in honor of Earth Day coming up on Saturday, Evergreen Podcast. Evergreen, the Earth, keep the Earth evergreen. That should be Earth Day's slogan. If my words did glow. With the gold of sunshine And my tunes were played On the harp of the strung Would you hear my voice Come through the music Would you hold it near As it were your own It's a hand-me-down Hand me down, just like the Technicolor dream coat. Wow. I got to pause it because that song's too good not to listen to. But (laughs) we also got the lyrics from Robert Hunter. I think that's his name. Who uh, kind of talking about spoken word was a poet who wrote for Grateful Dead. I don't know. But they obviously kind of sing it more than make it country style. Whatever I listen to the song, I think it's a shame that more of Grateful Dead's discography doesn't sound like this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Grateful Dead's one of those groups that I never really got into just because it seemed like it would be too hard to really get into them. And it's like so much about all the live performances and like the jams and stuff. But I like this song a lot. Same. And apparently they only played this 40 times live. 40 times, wow. But I was also thinking about hippies and stuff and like I feel like they get shit on a lot and probably for good reason in a lot of ways but they were also sort of onto something whereas nowadays like even the people who you would maybe consider like progressive 
But this is going to sound like a political statement where an evergreen podcast, but I feel like in a lot of ways, like everyone's angry, but no one's calling for peace and love, if that yeah. makes any sense. And like, totally. I don't know. Obviously, that kind of failed. And I remember like Hunter S. Thompson reading like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, where it's like, to me, what I took away from that is, you know, the hippie movement turned into just like a really like burnt out disaffected kind of thing but i feel like that's carried on to today even though people kind of idealize the hippie movement and it probably wasn't as great as like the idealized version of it either yeah it's probably just a lot of douchebags <laughs> no i think everyone's disaffected yeah there it was too idealist maybe if i knew so the official YouTube description says the Grateful Dead's Ripple became a kind of cosmic spiritual after its debut 50 years ago. Since then, the universal appeal of Robert Hunter's serene prose and the band's heartfelt performance made the song a popular choice at everything from weddings to funerals. Love it. And it's about making peace with life, finding a path that suits you by learning from the other lost people around you and enjoying the power of joy through music, which is just what CTC is about. Again. <laughs> All right, I'm passing back. Awesome. Huge fan of that song. And uh, I feel like this episode, we're, we're cruising along here. Maybe it's because we got shorter songs with Country Western. I wonder if there's something there. Oh, yeah, but we left, we left off with the Hank Williams. Uh, I forgot to mention, you know, part of why he dies young is he's like an alcoholic and addicted to prescription pills. I think that's part of that Towns Van Zant style, you know, Johnny Cash, conflicted country anti-hero type vibe but i'm gonna go a little even further back here and i'm gonna weave a web that you know might be obvious but i don't think everyone thinks about which is a lot of country music i think can ultimately be tied to english folk traditions because a lot of these settlers in the u.s are from uh you know the uk originally and then they come over to the u.s and continue those traditions and I just want to say Robert Hunter wrote that song that we just heard in London. We don't plan this weaving webs from wow. across the pond. So we're going back to the pond here with Andrew Lloyd Webber. No, okay. Uh, we're going with a traditional Irish folk song. So, you know, not necessarily the UK, but what's the, what's the politically correct term? I don't know, but we're hopping shamrocks. We're hopping lily pads on British our way Isles? over to the Emerald Isle. Is British Isles the PC term? I think Emerald Isle. Uh, this is a traditional song done by Anne Briggs. So, you know, the UK has a big folk revival where a lot of hippie type musicians are trying to revive folk traditions. And this is Anne Briggs with Bert Yanch on guitar. This is Black Waterside. One morning fell. 
water This is good. Twas in Yeah, she has a fantastic voice. I'm gonna say John Kale, he's Welsh, but I feel like he kind of has some similar kind of tones he brings in. So I'm gonna give you your John Kale Gab Joe free card. Thank you. So country music is basically just a bunch of like Irish people and random Europeans who start living in the backwoods. Yep. And like learning, uh, you know, African-American spirituals, like crossing UK folk with, you know, gospel and blues. Well, that's not the promise. This is an evergreen podcast, but since we're it's the evergreen aisle, I'm going to Ireland soon. Yeah, and I feel this. like well, I feel like it's like a lot of people in America who are just white Americans after like generations and generations, you know, still like associate a little bit with Ireland. I'm just wondering if they get sick of like Americans coming over there and visiting their ancestry and stuff, but it's like it's been a long ass time, you know. No, I feel like they would find it interesting. I would love for you to play this for someone and see what their thoughts are. Wait, is this an American song or is that no, Irish? No, the singer's British and then the song is a traditional Irish song. Gotcha. Uh, like hundreds of years old. I mean, she sounds like she could be like Game of Thrones, like yeah. 1600s singing at like the court. But this wasn't like a popular song or how'd you find this? Uh, I just like the artist. She does a great... So, you know, like I was mentioning, the UK had sort of like a folk revival in the 60s. So there's a lot of big figures from that. Uh, Davy Graham, guitar player, Bert Yonch, or maybe it's Jance. He's another famous guitar player from that. And then you've got like Fairport Convention is a big band. Uh, they all kind of do this style where they're reviving traditional songs on like acoustic guitar and vocals so I wanted to pick something good to show you of like you still can hear that the roots of that song even though these are people from the 60s recording it so do you think back when this song was coming about I know it's impossible to know but would you think there was like one person in the village who just had a natural talent and just like did it once and then they did it they taught someone else yeah. Or do you think it was like a combination of everyone would kind of like sing together? Or there's always been like people who are really good at music. And I mean, then there's think... two guys in the corner podcasting. <laughs> Talking about it. <laughs> no, I think it it's like these songs have to be massive to survive hundreds of years. So right. they're probably like songs that people sing to their kids or they sing in a church. There's got to be some like tradition around it that keeps it in the culture from generation to generation. So it's just it's an probably absolute even, banger. It's probably even bigger than what you're saying. It's probably not someone just like learning it and passing it down. It's probably like whole cultures that have traditions around it. Would be my guess. I don't know though. 
Yeah, probably. And I feel like that even carries on to modern day in a weird way, probably going too deep, weaving too many webs, going too deep in the Atlantic Ocean on the way back to the UK and Ireland. But uh, I feel like, you know, in the modern day, there's songs that seem like absolute classics that maybe someone else hasn't heard of. And then if you look at like what the most popular streamed songs are, yeah, like who's popular and who's not, I feel like there's still like, music is kind of an identity thing that people latch on to. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Edit this out. Well, I guess to kind of piggyback off that, what I'm saying is like, these songs aren't even on the, the like charts. These songs are like happy birthday. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, like those that are like element of like weaved into our culture. I guess what I'm saying now is like when we started recording music and we'll talk about this on recorded history of music, but when we started recording music, we think some of these thing songs like that we play on the podcast we think that those are huge but they're nowhere near yeah. the level like you're saying yeah of these like ancient songs like jacob and sons yeah exactly <laughs> all right i'm gonna go on a quick run here i feel like Ooh. we're vibing on the traditional irish folk and i had already mentioned the web here it's uh you know immigrants from the british isles come over to uh the u.s and settle and you get a cool, I think, parallel between you know, traditional British and Irish music and the Appalachian sound. This is Coon Greek, no, Coon Creek Girls, Uh-oh. Red Rockin' Chair. Hold on, Don't play the me. gavel sound effect. <laughs> Don't cancel me. We'll let the listener decide on that. All right, listen to the song, and then you tell me what you think. This is a sister string band. It's an amazingly haunting banjo tune. Launching it. around to die rock yeah. that cradle when you're gone this is uh recorded in the late 1930s early 1940s this is a group uh made up of sisters from southern ohio and kentucky Now I'm realizing, I wonder if the line, I've got no use for a red rocking chair is something about a child's death. Pretty dark. It's like Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> yeah. Kids shoes never worn, isn't that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sale, baby shoes never worn. And I feel like that's one of those things that the internet kind of ruined. And it's like Ernest Hemingway can be another guy we put on trial. But that's a pretty good story. But I guess... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Ernest. 
Ernest is on trial and I'm calling Go myself the- to the stand. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's a great short story. And it's like, yeah, okay, now everyone can write it, publish a riff on a short story, but they didn't write the original one, but no one did. But anyways, I stand by that story. All right, I'll pass it back. All right. Ernest has been on trial. He's been exonerated. Uh, we left off with Joko, Jacob and Sons. And then after that, we went into the Grateful Dead Ripple. Uh, it's been played at weddings. It's been played at funerals. And we're going to launch into a song, which the top YouTube comment is, this is my mother and father's wedding song. They made it together. <laughs> this is like Ernest Hemingway level yeah. writing this YouTube comment. Yeah. This is my mother and father's wedding song. They made it together 50 beautiful years. I hope they dance to this in heaven now. Launching into Dinah Washington. What a difference a day makes. I don't know if it's Dina, but I don't claim to pronounce it's, anything right. <laughs> yeah, it's Dina. <laughs> What a difference a day made Twenty-four little hours Also born in Tuscaloosa We don't plan this though What the sun and the flowers Also, weaving webs back to my grandparents when they lived in the Smoky Mountains, like Dolly Parton. I went through their record collection and took a few Dina, Dinah, whatever you want to call her, Uh Washington albums. And so apparently my grandparents liked her a lot. But I feel like that kind of era, like I was talking about James Brown, Dolly Parton. It's just, you know, music just had such soul. And I really feel like an old man now saying like music has lost its soul. But I feel like just the sense of like the classic songs, they kind of, there's just something to this kind of thing where it's like, you know, everyone could appreciate it. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like it has the same power of like an ancient person playing a bone instrument and singing and everyone going nuts. Yeah. And like you can get that with computerized music too, but I don't know, it doesn't have the same effect. Well, one thing I'll call out is she's actually pretty early. She's like 40s as well, or her career starts in the 40s. So she's kind of on par with uh, Hank Williams, era-wise. That is interesting. I'm going to give you 40 points for that. Was she... A day? I was. I don't know. I was just saying. A day. Her her career started a day before his. What a difference a day makes. I don't know. It's a stretch. I don't want to like go on a a meandering like rant here, but I do think part of what I think you're calling out is music is now made. um, So. I don't know if quickly is the right word, but it's ma- it's not made in the same kind of process that I think it was back then. There was like such a refinement and a practice. And I think now we're much more apt to 
move on to something else instead of really go deep with one thing if that makes sense we also have much yeah. more options so it's harder to, to just stay with one thing you are tempted by other things and i'm not trying to say like you know drum machine ain't got no soul or whatever but i do think i don't know there is a a different kind of soul to sort of like a live performance like that or a recording of a performance that's closer to what a live performance would be yeah that is just not as common at all anymore or not as popular i guess i don't know yeah yeah i'm not sure i think you know the other element is you had the studio system that was a I, I don't know maybe that's we talk about that maybe at the studio session episode but I'm also thinking that like each person who's working on this is like an expert in their respective, like the person who who uh, wrote that strings part that we were hearing in the Dino Washington song is like probably writing hundreds of songs a day and that's their only job. Right. Um, I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. And it, I guess I'm just thinking about it more because, and this is an evergreen podcast and we're not going to be like every other podcast and start talking about AI right now. But I feel like AI and music is definitely having this like transformative moment where it's like, oh wait, our music that's super popular and accessible is going to be even more kind of digitized. Yeah, it might be more computer influenced, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and it might be easier to replicate. I could totally see that happening. Yep. As music becomes a little cheaper, I guess is maybe what we're hinting at. And totally weaving webs in the opposite direction that song we just heard from dina washington was originally written in spanish oh wow by maria grever don't claim she recorded it right in 1934 cuando vuelva a tu lado when i return to your side nice pass it back do you want to go on a forced run here or do you want me to I'll go on a forced run. I'm throwing a wild card. I just added it to the chat. I don't know if you have a Towns Van Zant song that you can download because I went from that into uh, Waiting to Die. So I don't really know what's my connection here other than, you know, Dina Washington. You go to Washington and it's like, oh man, you got to deal with all this politics here. I feel like I'm getting trampled by all these old turtle ass looking politicians <laughs> at the Dina in Washington, I just need to slow everything down and relieve my pain because Codeine, Codeine, you're the nicest thing I've seen. Trampled by turtles. Little Appalachia. Until I was listening to the album you picked. What I write? <laughs> no, the Codeine, Codeine, you're the nicest Uh-oh. thing I've seen. You know, Codeine, Jolene, back to Dolly Parton. Wow. 
All right, someone's got to make a song. Codeine, Jolene. Codeine, Jolene. AI can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Someone run that prompt and send it to connectingtheclassics at gmail.com. Trampled by Turtles, for those that don't know. Oh, hang on, solo. Banjo is just the craziest instrument to me. It's amazing. It's like he's a little mandolin. You gotta be on the opposite of Codeine to play the banjo, or the mandolin, or bluegrass in general. Yeah. I'm not going to keep my words of wisdom to myself. I'm going to talk over Trample Eye Turtles, but for those that don't know, I'm pretty sure they're from Duluth, where one of our listeners, former guest Mike, is from. And obviously he put me onto them, uh, our mutual friend, but great band. I'm trying to figure out, like, how did they get into bluegrass? I don't know. Because I feel like it's even growing up in Champaign, Illinois, five points. Like I've mentioned multiple times, like seven hours away from Memphis, not that far from Nashville. And I feel like some of the people who come from like the country areas around like just talk with like a southern accent for some reason, even though it's Illinois or like Midwest. Yeah, that's totally a thing. Country music is popular. And like, I feel like any sort of like rural area, that, that kind of music is popular. Yeah, that's a great point. The Midwest can turn into like the South real quickly. Yeah. Because like Missouri and Ohio and all that's just basically on the border of of the South. I mean, really any rural area, like even in California, it's like, I bet if you go 15 minutes outside of LA, then everyone likes country music. Yeah. The Bakersfield sound. I mean, that was the rival sort of thing from Nashville. Yeah, Bakersfield's the new Nashville. A lot of people have been saying that. (laughs) All right, I'll bring us home here. Love the codeine pick. Some bluegrass making the web that I'm uh, reinforcing here. We've got Irish and British and Welsh immigrants coming over here to the East Coast and creating the Appalachian sound or the bluegrass genre. And my pick is actually the one that I thought sounded the most like that sort of Appalachian music. I even wondered if potentially it's inspired by a traditional song. This is Dolly Parton, My Blue Tears. Sounded like a gospel, like Carter family type song. Shout out to Jay-Z and Beyonce. But also, but also like Dolly's spin on it, which is really nice. Blue wings and I shed my 
that, that part sounds very Nashville to me. People don't hum enough in songs either. Funky bass too. Waste not your I wonder you like the album. Bobby Dyson on the bass. We never really got to it, but I definitely think there's an interesting crossover with country and funk. And this felt like a good space between the two. Really quick, I just gotta say, Bobby Dyson on the bass, sucking yeah. up the competition. Yeah, I feel like country music is like as funky as Appalachian white people can be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go spread your blue wings, go light your blue sky, and I'll shed my blue tears. I did forget to mention that. Uh, Dolly Parton's mother's parents were from uh, Welsh or oh, Wales. Oh, John Cale, get out of jail free card, so, part yeah, two. Welsh, out of jail Welsh, twice. Welsh immigrants came to uh, Southern Appalachia. Wow. So you were spot on there. And I'm going to give you the episode for that. You just won. All right. I'm going to play the other favorite from Towns Van Zant. Play us out here. This is dedicated to our Colorado girl, Travis Metzger. Well, I'm going out to Denver See if I can't find Well, I'm going out to Denver See if I can't find Very Jack Kerouac. Totally. Also sounds like Laws on Laws. That loving Colorado girl of mine. Influenced by Trampled by Turtles, just like La Zalea. Totally. Well, the promise in her smile shames the mountains tall. Sounds a little bit like Jardinera, too. <laughs> it does. All the promise in her smile. James Mountain. All right. Gala, if you think about it, like the 2010s LA country scene, like Galileo's Daughters was kind of just a ripoff of Towns Van Zandt, but I don't know. We'd have to get it. I think that the singer of that band lives in like Netherlands or something now. So I'm pretty sure it's hard to contact, but I'd be interested to hear if he had ever heard of Towns Van Zandt. All right, next episode we do in studio session. We had we did have a request from a listener. They called our hotline, emailed us, connected the classes at gmail.com and suggested studio musicians as a theme since we brought it up on a, another episode. I don't know a lot of studio music- musicians. We could also just do Prince. I like the idea of studio musicians, so. Because I feel like 
they don't get enough credit. Yeah, that'd be fun. There's some famous ones uh, back in the South again. There's Muscle Shoals was a famous set of studio musicians that played on a lot of famous tracks. We'll probably put Elvis on trial again, you know. At this point, we're just weaving the same webs over and over again. We're just spoken word. We brought it back. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, Funk Brothers is another famous session group. Ooh, everything's funk. Yep. They're Detroit, though. Detroit. Going out to Detroit. Gonna see if I can't find that loving Colorado girl of mine. That loving Colorado. I have a painting of Towns Van Zandt on a horse that I got with a Vinyl Me Please subscription. Oh, nice. I had it framed for a while. Do you still have it? I think I threw it away. Oh, damn. It was just like a free thing that they shove in the vinyl, but I thought it looked cool. Yeah, I bet. All right. Goodbye. Bye.